for Andy while he is out on vacation and just enjoying a little time with his family. Uh, I'm so glad that all of you braved all that cold and all that frost uh, to get here this morning. Uh, some of you had, uh, had more than others, I'm sure, but uh, obviously it's fall break and we have a lot of people that are out and a lot of people that are gone, just a faithful few here uh, with, us, uh, with us this morning. I'm glad, uh, glad that you're here as we continue this uh, this series in First John. We're going to be in First John. I'm going to have two passages that I'm going to read to you today. First John chapter three, and uh, we're going to read a section, verse 19 through verse 24, and then we're going to be in First John chapter five. I'm going to read verses six through verses 13. So I kind of have, I kind of have a, uh, I kind of have a dual, uh, a dual text today because today we're going to we're going to talk about what it means to have confidence before God. In this series, as we've talked about assurance and what it means to have assurance of salvation, uh, really what we're talking about was talking about going before the Lord and having confidence before Him that we know Him and, uh, and that we're saved. Confident that He loves us and confident that we are in a relationship with Him. In fact, this is what I talk to people about. I have, it's very common uh, in ministry and those of you who, uh, who have uh, been in ministry and like teaching life groups and things like that, it's very common sometimes for people to come and to not have that confidence before God, to not have that assurance. And how we speak with people in that moment, how we talk to people in that moment is really, really important because we don't want to make someone who is saved doubt their salvation. Uh, but if someone's not saved, we want, we want them to come to a point of salvation. And if people are unsure if they're saved, we don't, we don't want them to feel like, well, they have to make us feel comfortable. They have, to, they have to be comfortable before us. We want them to have confidence before God. We want them to know in their heart uh, that they know Jesus as Savior. This is very important because uh, Matthew chapter 7 talks about a false assurance that we can have. Now, I, I feel like I show you this verse a lot. I feel like it's an important verse. I've often said that this is the scariest verse of Scripture in the entire Bible, uh, that there could be people who would think that they're saved, uh, but then whenever they go before the Lord, the Lord would say, uh, hey, depart from me, you workers of iniquity. I did not know you. Obviously, none of us want to be in that position. And it's for that reason that we always, uh, we always want to challenge people and encourage people to think about their salvation. Not just take it for granted just because they grew up in church, but to actually think about their salvation because it is possible to be associated with religion and not have an actual relationship with God. Uh, so we want people to have confidence. And that is what the book of 1 John is all about. 1 John chapter 5, verse 13, this has been kind of our driving verse that, we have, uh, that we've been looking at. This is the, the genuine assurance that, that John gives to us, that he writes about. And his whole purpose of writing the book is that uh, th uh, to those of you who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life. I mean, that's confidence, right? You believe in the name of the Son of God, and he says he wants you to know that you have eternal life. Have that confidence and have that assurance before Him. So how do we find that assurance? How, how do we discover it? Lots of ways, but I'm going to talk to you today about what it means to have a testimony. 
what it means to have a testimony before God. You can see that in your outline. If you look in your bulletin, you can see that I, I kind of have it laid out that way. And this is one of the ways that we find assurance. We have assurance that we have faith in Jesus and what the Bible says. Uh, we, have, we find assurance through knowing that we have a personal testimony with God, that we've been genuinely converted, and that spiritual things have been taking place in our life since that time. And then we find assurance, this is where we'll end, we'll find assurance. Uh, in, in this last point, this inner witness, this assurance from the Holy Spirit. So that's why I have two passages today. I have two passages because one of them speaks about confidence in our heart before God, and the other one speaks about this idea of testimony. I will say, I'm going to warn you beforehand, there's a lot of complicated statements that are made in these verses. And I'm not going to be able to fully explain every phrase and every word. As much as I would like to do that, um, that's going to be pretty difficult to do today. And you'll see what I mean whenever we, read, uh, whenever we read these together. So if you don't mind, please stand with me as we look at these two very important passages. One that speaks about confidence in the heart and the other that speaks about a testimony that we have. All right. So uh, 1 John chapter 3, verse 19. It says, by this we shall know that we are of the truth, and look at this phrase, and reassure our heart before him. For whenever our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart, and he knows everything. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence before God. And whenever we ask, we receive from him because we keep his commandments and do what pleases him. And this is his commandment, that we believe in the name of his Son, Jesus Christ, and love one another just as he commanded. Whatever, whoever keeps his commandments abides in God, and God in him. And by this we know that he abides in us by the Spirit whom he gave us. So you see that that passage talks a lot about heart and talks a lot about confidence before God. Now, flip over uh, one page, and it may just look over to the next page in your Bible. Um, and I want to read this passage that talks about testimony. I want you to notice the number of times the word testify or testimony is used in this passage. And this is where we read some of these complicated statements. Uh, verse 6, This is he who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ. Not by the water only, but by the water and the blood. And the Spirit is the one who testifies, because the Spirit is the truth. For there are three that testify, the Spirit and the water and the blood, and these three agree. If we receive the testimony of men, the testimony of God is greater. For this is the testimony of God that he has borne concerning his Son. Whoever believes in the Son of God has the testimony in himself. Now, don't miss that phrase. Has the testimony in himself. Whoever does not believe God has made him a liar because he has not believed the testimony that God has borne concerning his Son. And this is the testimony that God gave us eternal life, and this life is in his Son, Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. Okay, so we definitely need to pray that the Lord would give us 
uh, open eyes and open ears, ears this morning as, uh, as we move through some of, this, uh, some of this material today. So let's pray. Uh, God, I thank you so much for your scriptures. I know that sometimes we read some things that are hard for us to put together logically and understand. God, would you illuminate our hearts and our minds today? Would you just reveal yourself clearly to us? And I pray that you would speak to your people or tell them what you want them to hear. Uh, God, you have that ability. You have the ability to take any verse of scripture and say anything that you want to anybody that you please. And I just pray that you would do that today. We offer this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You can be seated. All right, so like I said, uh, some complicated statements. Regardless, uh, these two passages tell us a lot about having a heart that is confident before God and also what it means to have a testimony. First, let's talk about uh, this whole idea of the heart and reassuring our heart before God. Or re- the Bible says reassure our hearts before Him or having confidence uh, before God. Let's talk about that a minute because uh, what happens and what takes place in your heart is more important than anything that is external. A great example of that is uh, baptism. We just, we just witnessed a baptism. Uh, do we believe baptism is important? Absolutely. Uh, do we believe that baptism is commanded by God? Absolutely. But what is most important is what has happened in the heart of the person. Have they been converted? Have they been changed? The Bible talks a lot about the heart. In fact, the the greatest commandment that Jesus gave to us was to love the Lord your God with all your heart, uh, something that was on the inside. So what is the heart? Obviously, uh, in the scriptures right here and other places where the Bible talks about the heart, it is not speaking about that internal organ uh, that pumps uh, the blood. Uh, no, no offense to any heart doctors that might be in the room, uh, but that's not what the scripture is talking about. It's not speaking about uh, the, the organ that pumps the blood. Obviously, this is speaking about something different than that, something that is inside of you, but in the inner self of you. So when we talk about the heart, what we're doing is we're describing what type of soul you are. It's very important to understand that when we're talking about the heart, we're speaking about the internal thoughts, feelings, desires, and motivations. That is your heart. It is the true you that is on the inside of you, the inner you. That's what the heart is. And so uh, your heart obviously has been affected by sin. The part of you that has been most affected by sin is your heart. And you've probably heard the common phrase before, follow your heart. Anybody ever ever heard that phrase before, follow your heart? Or trust your heart. Anybody ever heard that phrase? Uh, The Bible warns us of something different. In Jeremiah chapter 17, the Bible says that the heart is deceitful, that your own heart can deceive you if you're not careful, and that your heart is desperately sick. And we know by reading the New Testament that that desperately sick is not speaking about some type of heart disease to the physical organ. It's speaking about something spiritual inside of us that we have sin on the inside of us. Your heart cannot be trusted. Your heart uh, does not contain truth without any mixture of error. 
Only God's Word. We can only say that about God's Word. You can have some thoughts and some feelings and some desires inside of your heart that are not godly. At least that's what Jesus said. Look what Jesus said about the heart in Mark chapter 7, verse 21 through verse 23. He said, from within, from the heart of man comes all types of sinful things. And he gives, uh, gives a pretty comprehensive list of these sins that come out of the heart. Murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, all of these things. Jesus says these things come out of the heart. So obviously we can't trust a heart that has been affected by sin. We can't look in, just look inside of our heart, an unregenerate heart, um, and, 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 somehow, uh, and somehow find truth. We need, we need, something, uh, we need something, something more than that. Jesus said that fo- by following your heart, your heart can defile you, and this is our biggest problem. Our biggest problem as human beings are not things on the outside. We sometimes think that they are. You think that your biggest problems might be financial, or your biggest problems might be relational, or your biggest problems might be health-related. We can look at all these things on the outside and think, you know, my biggest problem is this external sin that I have. But the Bible shows us that the biggest problem that we have is all of those things are packed inside of us, that inner self. It's the heart. And this is what God sees. God sees the heart. When I look at you, I can look at how you're dressed. I maybe look at how you have your hair fixed um, or maybe how tall you are, how short you are. Uh, We look at each other by looking at external appearances. But God looks at the heart. 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 7. This is why in the New Testament we have so many commands directed towards the heart. Not just the behavior, but the heart. Jesus cares about how you think, how you feel. He cares about the things that you want. And he knows that if those things are not right, then all types of sin can come out of that. And listen to this. Getting saved happens in the heart. Getting saved happens in the heart. It's not just some type of external behavior, religious modification that you make or that you add to your life. Getting saved happens in the heart. This is what, this is what the Word of God says. It says you believe in your heart. It is with the heart that you believe. This is the part of you that God sees, that God knows has the most trouble, and the part of you that God wants to change and transform. I mean, if it was just external, you and I could handle that. I mean, we can train dogs how to behave if we want to. I mean, there's all types of, I mean, think about, so my dog understands hand signals. Uh, My dog's on the outside, and they live to want to get in the house. Like, that is just their mission in life. And they'll, they'll stand at the door and they'll hold their paws up and they'll, they'll shake like that right there and they'll droop their ears. And I mean, my wife totally gets sucked into it, man. I mean, she really does, but I know they're just tricking us, right? Isn't that right, Kelly? Uh huh. So, but what I'll do is, is I, I'll, walk, I'll walk up, I'll look at them through the door and I'll go like that. And one of my dogs, Molly, she'll just go, she's turned. I trained her how to obey a hand signal. I can say, y'all want some food? And man, the ears go up. I mean, you know how it is if you have animals. Listen, we, we can train animals how to behave. We can, certainly we can train human beings how to act certain ways. 
I mean, we can, we can behave in a Christian way. We can add religious behaviors you know, to who we are and to our life. God is interested in so much more than that. God wants to know that we are saved in our heart. Now, the reason that I bring this up is because this is what John says in chapter 3, verse 19. He says, reassure your heart before God. You know, it is possible to look like you're saved on the outside and not be. It is possible to look like you're not saved on the outside, and, 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 maybe, and maybe you could be. This is a matter of the heart that John is bringing up. Reassure your heart before God. You don't have to convince other people that you're saved. God says go before Him. The Word of God says go before God. And that's where we find assurance. This is one of the reasons that I never tell people that they're saved. If you come up to me and share, me your, story, share your story with me and say, am I saved? I will say, now look, I can't tell you that. You have to go before God. I can, I can tell you how to be saved. I can tell you what being saved looks like. I can tell you all that. But you're, you are the only one, you and your heart, before God. There are some traditions of Christians that will tell you that you're saved just because you're associated with them. Just because you're associated with their church or just because you receive baptism in their church and just because you take part of the things that their churches do. There are churches that will tell you that you're saved because of that. I believe that's contrary to the Word of God. It's a personal relationship. And you have to go before God and in your heart know that it's the right thing because you can practice all, types of exter all the types of external religion that you want to. God is concerned, however, of the heart. We don't tell people that we're saved. We don't want to find ourselves coddling people who are walking the broad road to destruction and they're headed towards hell and we're coddling them saying, oh no, you're fine. Oh no, you're saved. No, that's not what we do. We tell people you need to go before God and you need to know personally that you have that assurance. So how do we do that? Here's, here, here's the direction that I want to go this morning. I want, I want to talk to you about this idea of a testimony. As you go before God and as you think about your life and you think about what is genuinely in your heart, these are the, 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 these are the indicators, the testimonies that you have salvation in your heart. And the first one is the testimony of the Word. The testimony of the Word. We have to be real careful when we're talking about the heart because we might could sing a song that gives you a little tingly feeling and you could say, oh, well, I'm saved. I might could crack a joke and you feel really good about it and I tell you that you're okay and you walk out feeling fine in your heart. We've got to be real careful when we're talking about the heart and have an assurance in the heart. If, if we've got to be real careful about that because we don't want to be deceived. We want to make sure that we have the testimony of the Word. And the testimony of the Word is that you genuinely believe in your heart what God has said in His Word. You genuinely believe it in your heart. Not just involvement in religion, not just saying, oh yeah, I believe that, but no. But do you genuinely have faith that resides in your heart? There is nothing that has the power to speak more directly to your heart than the Word of God. There is nothing that can bring change into your heart more deeply and more directly than the Word of God. If you don't believe me, just start reading it. Just start reading it. 
There's something about getting into the Word that gets the Word into you. And the Bible says that God's Word is living and is active and it's sharper than a two-edged sword. That when God's Word gets in you, that it, it does something to you. It changes you on the inside. And when you really start focusing in on the gospel and what the Bible says about Jesus, and that's what it talks about here. It says the testimony of God about Christ. We have to believe who Christ is. We have to genuinely have faith in Christ. If we don't believe that... It doesn't matter what's happening in your life on the outside. It doesn't matter how you feel on the inside. If you don't have faith in the Son of God, if you don't believe what the Bible has said about Jesus, you're not saved. I mean, it's really just as simple as that we, we can't create our own path to kind of changing our heart. And if, listen, if we get this wrong, if we don't believe the right things, if we don't have faith in the right things, nothing else matters. Nothing else can be right spiritually for us uh, if, we don't, if we don't have this right. So that is the, that, that's, the, that's the first place that we have to start. We have to be on solid ground, and we have to have the testimony of the Word that in your heart you truly believe. The second testimony is a personal testimony. Now I want, to, I want you to look at these verses, and then I'm going to give you a little bit more of an explanation. But a personal testimony would mean that there are some spiritual things that have manifested themselves in your life. As a result of that faith and as a result of that belief in Jesus, there are some things that, that have started to come out of your life that have made your faith personal. Your faith cannot just be internal. As much as we believe that the heart is the place where we get saved, as much as we believe that the heart is the most important thing, you, 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 can't, you can't just claim a faith that is never proclaimed, that is never expressed, and that is never seen in your life. You have to have a personal testimony of faith to where there is evidence of things that come out of your life. And it can't just be a prayer of the past. I prayed a prayer in the past, a long time ago, in a church service. It, it has to be more than that. Your personal testimony has to involve things that are coming out of your life that are spiritual in nature. There should be spiritual things that have been happening in your life ever since you called on Jesus and said a prayer and got saved. Now, y'all understand the difference between a personal testimony and a life testimony. Y'all understand the difference between those two, right? If I come up to you and I say, "Tell me your share your testimony with me," and you said something, I'll just it's in my case. Uh, well, I was uh, born in Mississippi. I was adopted by my parents. I grew up around Jackson. My dad was a manager at a retail store. Uh, you know, they got divorced when I was a teenager, and then eventually I went and lived on the outskirts of Jackson and Florence and, uh, and everything and dropped out of school and eventually, you know, got back in school and then, you know, went to Mississippi College and then I went to seminary and then, you know, I pastored a church. Oh, my wife's name is Kelly. I have, you know, six kids and uh, here's some things that I like to do. And oh, I We've, we've done some great things in life. We've gone here and there and we've traveled. That, that, is, that is my life testimony. There is nothing spiritual about what I just told you, except for the fact maybe saying that I was a pastor. There's, 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 there was nothing spiritual. that I, every, Everybody has a life testimony. 
Your life testimony is not your personal, spiritual, salvation testimony. When someone comes up to you and says, share your testimony, or when you ask somebody their testimony, what you're asking is, tell me about your belief and your faith in Jesus. You're not asking about where they go to church. You're not asking about, you know, what they believe about all the differences of all the religion. What you're, what you're sharing in a personal testimony is an inner faith in Jesus. That's your testimony. There's an inner faith that I have in Jesus, and here's how it's come out. And then you're going to say, and when you share your personal testimony, you're going to share that moment of conversion. That moment when your faith was made real. That moment when you said and realized, I'm a sinner, I need Jesus, and you prayed and called upon his name, and God sent his Holy Spirit to come live inside of you. That moment when you said, I believe that Jesus took, took my place when he died upon the cross. He took my sin. I be, and in that moment, I believed everything that the Bible said. And I was converted. I got saved. I prayed a prayer and got saved. Your personal testimony begins with conversion. And then, that's not where it stops. If it stops there, there's a problem. Let me say that again. If it stops there, there's a problem. There should be spiritual things that continue to happen in your life after you're converted. That should be a part of your spiritual testimony. And there, these things are mentioned all throughout Scripture, but here's an example of some of them. You ought to be able to give a personal testimony of an interaction of love between you and between Jesus. In the same way that you should be able to describe the love that is exchanged between you and a spouse or you and a, um, uh, and a child or a mother or a father or a friend, you should be able to describe times whenever you and God have exchanged love to each other. How you have expressed love to Him. He has expressed love to you. This, this ought to be manifested, this, and this is, a, this is a spiritual experience that we have with the Lord, and it's ongoing. The forgiveness that God has given to you, you should be able to recount this. You should, you should be able to say, you know what, there is a pattern of obedience between me and between God. There have been times that God has said to me, stop doing that, and I would repent, and I would turn, and I would go the other way. There should be times whenever God said, hey, you know that thing that happened last week or last month or last year? That was wrong. That was sin. And you say, God, I confess, and I'll never do it again. You should be able to recount times when the Lord speaks to you and says, hey, I want you to do something for me. I want you to witness to your neighbor or go on a mission trip or serve in the nursery or go and, uh, and, 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 and help an elderly lady move a couch, whatever it might be. You should be able to give a testimony of spiritual things that happening, love between you and God, obedience between you and God. And, and, and how about this one? Love between you and God's people. You, you should be able to say, man, the Lord has, has brought me close to his people in fellowship. And we're going to talk about this next week. Prayer. You should be able to give a personal testimony of prayer in your life. I cannot wait until next week. 
Next week, we're going to talk about prayer, and we're going to talk about its place in the Christian life and how we find assurance through prayer. We're also going to take the Lord's Supper next week. So uh, next week, I hope, is going to be really awesome. But the, the, you, 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 in your personal testimony, you should be able to say, man, there are times that I spoke to God and He answered me. Answered prayer is, is part of what it means to be saved. All this should be included. And you say, no, wait a minute. I don't always hear from God. Well, wouldn't it be great if you just got up every morning and read a verse of Scripture and said, hey, God, and he just hits you right back, you know, like a text message, right back. Wouldn't it be great if every time you talked to the Lord, he spoke back. Every time, you know, God told you to be obedient that you did. But unfortunately, sometimes we, we go through cycles. Regardless, regardless of that, regardless of you falling in sin or you having dry times in your life, your personal testimony should be where you describe spiritual things happening and taking place in your life ever since you were converted. That is your spiritual testimony. If you are unable to go before God and say, Lord, I, I know that I believe, and here's when I believed, and here's all the love that we've had, and all the obedience that we've had, and all the conversations and prayers that we've... If, if you're unable to see any of that in your life, then you don't have a personal testimony. You might have an association with religion. You might be able to say, I went to church for 20 years. You might be able to say, I taught Sunday school. You might be able to say, I was a deacon. You might be able to say, I was on staff at a church. You might be able to say all types of external things. But we need to see true, spiritual, internal change that leads to a manifestation of spiritual activity within your life. That's a personal testimony. And it springs from that first testimony, a belief in the Word. And if you have a belief and a faith in the Word, a testimony from the Word, and if you have a personal testimony of life change between you and God, then what's going to happen is you're going to have a testimony of God the Spirit. That's what this passage talks about. The testimony of God the Spirit inside of you. This is God telling you that you're saved. I said a moment ago, that I don't tell people that they're saved. I, I, it's, I've, I've, always, I've always found that very dangerous. That if you're not saved and I tell you that you're saved, then you could feel very comfortable on the road to hell. And I do not want to do that. But there is one person who can absolutely tell you that you're saved. And it's God, the Holy Spirit, who lives inside of you. He can absolutely tell you 100% with out of doubt. And let me tell you something. When he tells you, you know it. When the Holy Spirit speaks to you, when he leads your life, when he guides you, when he shows you his love, when he rebukes you, whenever you do wrong, whenever he's there with you, helping you make decisions, whenever he comforts you during times of trial and trouble, you, you know it's the Spirit talking to you. You know it's, it's not all those, those sinful urges that, that ding around in your heart. And this is where we need to be really, really careful. We're just not looking for some emotional liver quiver. We're not looking for that. That's why we didn't start here. Because we don't want to say, well, just look into your heart. 
Now, if, if you look into your heart, that we already established that your heart will deceive you. Your heart will defile you. Your heart will tell you lies. And Satan will use it in your life. You're not looking into your heart. What you're doing is, is you're looking for God, the Spirit, who resides in your heart to communicate with you. And I just think well, there's, there's, something, there, there's, there's something different about that. But we start with the Word, and we see the, 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 the personal testimony, and then God the Spirit communicates with us. You want me to tell you the times in my life when I have felt and sensed God the Spirit speaking to me the most? It wasn't when everything was going good. It wasn't whenever His blessings were just being showered all over me. It, wasn't even, it hasn't even necessarily been in church during those joyful times of singing or preaching or, or being together with God's people. The two times that I have sensed God the Holy Spirit speak to me the most are whenever I have been going through hardship and struggle. And how about this? Whenever I sin. Whenever I sin. Or whenever sin is uncovered in me. Because I realize in that moment, when God shows me a flaw inside of me, He's really showing me His love. He, he, has, the best, he has the best for me. And I have found, even my experience in life, and, and, and I'm not encouraging this, but even if I sin intentionally, saying or doing something that I know that I shouldn't do, the conviction of the Holy Spirit in my life is God the Spirit saying, you belong to me, and that's not you anymore, and I'm not putting up with it. Some of you think, well, I sinned, so I'm not saved. You know, that, I just feel like that even in the midst of that, God can communicate with you, and He can tell you. Don't you do this with your children? Don't you tell your children that you love them unconditionally? Don't you tell your children that, hey, you may sin and do wrong, but I'm always going to love you? If, if you don't, you should. Your kids should feel like that you love them, that mom and dad loves them no matter what. They should not feel like mom and dad is going to put up and accept anything in their life. You can make a bad lifestyle choice, all right, teenagers. You can make a bad lifestyle choice. You can make bad decisions in your life. And that may put separation between you and your parents. As you move into college, move into your 20s, you might make bad decisions that will cause distance between you and your parents. But parents, you are always going to love your kids. You are always you are going to love them unconditionally. Is it, doesn't God the Spirit love us the same way? Doesn't God love us unconditionally? Absolutely. And I wonder today how you feel about all this. I wonder if... I wonder if you would ask yourself the question, do I really believe, do I really have the testimony of, of, of the Word? Do I really have a testimony of faith? And I wonder if maybe some of you today would, would say, well, what about my personal testimony? I mean, I, I've always said that I believed, but has, has, a faith, has a faith in Christ manifested itself in your life through conversion? And through getting saved and praying and calling on Jesus, and, and, and then has it been a pattern? Has there been a pattern of spiritual things that have taken place in your life? Some of you might say, there has been, but man, I have so drifted away from that. This is God calling you back. This is God saying, I love you and you're mine. 
And maybe today you would just say, I just need the Holy Spirit to reassure me again. I just need for God the Spirit to just touch me on the shoulder and say, you're mine, I love you. And you may have gotten off track, or you may be far from me, or you may, you may think that I don't care about you because you're going through such a hard time, but I'm here with you. And maybe today you just need to pray about one of these three things. So I'm going to give you an opportunity to do that. Uh, I want you to bow your head and close your eyes. And I want you to do a little heart analysis. I want you to do a little heart analysis today. I want you to ask yourself, do you really believe? Is the testimony of the Word inside of you? Do you truly have faith and believe what God's Word says about Jesus? Do you truly believe? If you don't, it doesn't matter how many times you come into this building. It does not matter how many songs you sing. It doesn't matter how many sermons you listen to. If you don't truly believe, if you don't have faith in your heart, that's where you need to start. Do you truly believe? Do you have the testimony of the Word? And then what about your personal testimony? Have you been converted? Can, can, you, can you confess a conversion experience today? A point and time in your life where you called on Jesus? And I, and I know that some of you say, well, I don't remember the day and the time. Let me tell you what the most important thing is. The most important thing is not that you knew when it began. The important thing is that you know that it's happening and taking place right now in your life. That's the most important thing. The most important thing is not to remember when you were saved. The most important thing is to know that you are saved. That there's love between you and God. That you're walking in obedience. That there's answered prayer. That all, that, that all of the things that God says should be happening in your life as a result of salvation. See, saved is something that you are, not something that you did. It's something that God did, but should be true of you today. So maybe you want to pray about that. What's your personal testimony? And what about God the Spirit? You just, maybe you would just ask God the Spirit. Maybe you would just help Him say, Lord, help me to cry out, Abba, Father, today. You pray about these three things, and if you don't know Jesus, just call on Him and be saved. The Bible says everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. If you don't know the Lord, just call upon Him right now. If you want to come to the altar and pray, you can. And then Eric is going to lead us in a song.